With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In this edition of Hoopsology, Justin and Matt welcome back Ben Lyons onto the show to discuss the future of sports streaming rights, the expansion of the WNBA, why television ratings don't really matter, and a lot, lot more. We always enjoy talking to Ben. He has been one of our first guests ever since we relaunched the podcast in 2020, and we always enjoy his insight just before the NBA season tips off, so you don't want to miss this chat with Ben Lyons. He has been a contributor to NBA TV, and he has filled in on the Rich Eisen Show, and he's been on our podcast. I mean, we were starting out. Uh, he didn't know us from, <laughs> from this, any other podcast, and he was gracious enough to give us um, his time. Let's come on the show previously. We welcome back Ben Lyons on Two Hoopsology. Welcome back, Ben. Appreciate the shout. Thank you so much uh, for having me on. Fired up that the season is finally upon us, and uh, yeah, it's great to be back on the show. So I, Matt and I saw you do a panel on the state of sports rights this past summer. And I thought it was really fascinating in terms of what's happening just in terms of not only sports, but just entertainment overall. And I can't get a, a beat on what's going to happen. So particularly we, we talk hoops. So when it comes to the NBA, what do you think is going to happen in terms of where the NBA is going to land in terms of sports rights? Because I think everybody's anticipating this huge rate increase for the NBA, but there's been some indicators um, most recently with the WWE with SmackDown, they got an increase, but not the increase that they wanted. And I think the market, the market acted negatively. So do you think the NBA is set to follow suit regarding that? Or do you think they're set for a massive rate increase just due to what's going on with the after strike and what's doing on with streaming right yeah, now? Sure. Well, first of all, it's always nice to know someone besides my mother is watching. So thanks for keeping tabs on what was happening this summer. Yeah. I had a chance <laughs> to uh, host this panel out at Can Lions with uh, Sport Beach. And uh, it was really just eye-opening for me as a fan to kind of get a look under the hood of how the industry is changing. And now with the NBA's rights up, you know, uh, you have the streaming players as, as now part of the conversation in a way that they haven't really been in the past. And if, you know, Amazon's commitment to the NFL or Apple's commitment to MLS is any indicator, then by all means, they're going to be like wanting to be a part of the NBA. Right. So how that changes the landscape, how games are broadcast, how they connect with consumers, we shall see. But I think we're still waiting for, as Hoop fans, our Manning cast. You know, Quentin Richardson does a wonderful job on NBA TV. Jamal Crawford and a couple other ex-players popping in there. But that's kind of buried on NBA TV. It'd be great to see one of the premier partners, whether it's TNT or uh, you know ESPN, but now whether it's a streaming platform or, or, or whatnot, really make a commitment to that second screen experience because I think that's where the cultural kind of sauce lies. And more of this athlete-driven content, we want to hang out with our favorite players, both current, former, and watch the games uh, in an authentic way. And 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 I think that's going to continue. I'm also just selfishly, in terms of broadcast rights, as a Knicks fan, 
hearing rumblings of Mark Jackson on the broadcast. I heard that. Yeah. Would Ooh, love nice. to have that. Are you kidding me? We're already spoiled enough with Walt Clyde and Mark uh, and Mike Breen. But to have Mark Jackson on the, on the call now, too, would be really special. So, yeah, it's a very exciting time in broadcast rights. But I think you're going to start to see these streaming players really lean into the athlete-driven content. So what do you prefer as a basketball fan in terms of your view and experience? Because I think so many times when there's an announcer rotation or shakeup with ESPN, it's like big news and everybody wants to like, you know, bash ESPN. But to an average NBA fan, does commentary truly matter? Does that experience truly matter? I mean, for me as a hardcore fan, it does. Uh, but I'm just wondering in terms of just a view and experience of your Gen Z, somebody watching the highlights on TikTok and, you know, they might check out the finals live. Um, Is that of like a real value in terms of just the view and experience, especially just nowadays, like with the shakeups and with, especially with teams, they're specializing with just a, their own streaming deals per team. Like this yourself, what do you prefer in terms of your overall basketball experience nowadays? Oh, like I said, as a Knicks fan, very spoiled with our local coverage. MSG does a wonderful job. We get Mike Breen. We get Walt Clive Frazier. Now we're going to get Mark Jackson, maybe, or Van Gundy. We get Kenny Smith doing a couple games. Alan Hahn, who's a national talent, hosts our, you know, the post game alongside Wally Zerbiak, a great player. Bill Pito is that. We get Monica McNutt on the cat. Like, we, we are very lucky as Knicks fans to have, I think, the best in the business in terms of local coverage. Same goes for Nets fans. You know, we get Isola and Ryan Rucco, and we just get so many great talented. We had Michael Grady for years, who's now doing the T-Wolves games. I still think there's a, a real importance in, you know, the local coverage and the local fan having a connection. Um, and, and, and that's important. John Ireland is a dear friend. He calls the Lakers radio alongside Michael Thompson. So I think those, you know, are, are going to are going to continue to be important relationships for NBA fans. But on a national level, look, it's no knock on on the on, on the talent on ESPN, but it's not like we're going to not tune into the finals because Jeff Van Gundy isn't there and Doris Burke is. Of course, we're going to watch. Doris is amazing. Like, it doesn't really matter who's calling the NBA finals. We're going to watch them. But I feel like in terms of our night in, night out, when your team is 10 games under 500 in February, it, part of it is building that affinity with the broadcasters who have to walk a slippery slope and be critical and honest about the team, but also employed by the team. That can be problematic at times. But I love the local broadcasts. I love how NBA TV does a good job if you're watching League Pass it'll just give you the ambient feed of the arena. So you get to see a lot of the local in arena programming, which can be a lot of fun on a Tuesday night in Sacramento. But yeah, I really hope that, you know, while the conversation turns to streaming to Amazon, to Apple, to Netflix and national broadcast, we don't lose touch with that local conversation. Cause that's so important for the day in day out of covering your favorite team. That's a great point. Continuing with, you know, the media rights that that we've been discussing. I mean, from what the three of us have seen in our lifetimes, I mean, it's been like a a linear trend up in terms of media rights. Like it, it seems like it's always getting better and better. The the companies are profiting more and more, which I guess is great in some ways. It's good to see, you know, players get a good chunk of things in the NBA. Um, is there a point? that's even foreseeable where we're reaching like a ceiling of where this can go. I mean, it seems to me like 
with what you're mentioning with streaming partners and all this, this is an element of competition that can continue, you know, more bidding wars that can drive rates up even higher. I mean, is there a foreseeable ceiling <laughs> that you can imagine, I guess, is my question. Well, as you start to think about the, the the borders of where the NBA brand reaches, it just becomes infinite, right? I mean, I remember, like you said, with the transformation of broadcast rights in our lifetime is remarkable. I'm old enough to remember the NBA finals on tape delay. But this past year, I watched the NBA finals tipping off at 2.30 in the morning in Amsterdam on my phone in bed off a feed of watching, you know, the, the ESPN, the ABC coverage. But but here I am half a world away live in real time on my phone, right? That's crazy. And that I feel like was a real treat in 2010 and now is the norm. So if you're an NBA fan living in England, living in South America, living in Japan, you can watch every single game very easily. And so that's just going to continue to grow the game. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, the idea that NBA fans now are knowledgeable around the world, not just because the Bulls are on and, oh, yeah, Michael Jordan, and I got to watch the finals because that was on Canal Plus, and that's the one feed. Now you're a Cavaliers fan living in Bulgaria? You can stay up on Evan Mobley. It's not that hard. So I think that's going to grow a very knowledgeable fan base. And I think technology too, man. Like we got one feed back in the day from center court. Maybe you had an ISO on the baseline. Now you're talking about cameras on wires and drones and wearable tech and mics on the players and the refs and in the backboard. You're going to start to say, okay, I can watch the traditional feed on linear, but if I go on Channing Fry's Instagram feed, I get a <laughs> live view of him having a glass of chosen family watching the Portland Trailblazers from the fifth row. Like you can touch the arena from so many different angles now because of technology. So I think you're going to start to see more and more of that. Yeah. Even like on league pass, when you don't get the nationally televised broadcast, you still get those like four panel camera options. I think it was last season where two yeah. of them are tracking the stars on each team. And then you have different views, like basically from the top of the hoop, it seemed like. So yeah, I mean, you're right. there's endless possibilities. We haven't even talked like virtual reality, right? We haven't talked about <laughs> yeah. putting their goggles on and like sitting courtside or the idea that I might spend $50 to sit in the 400 section at the garden and touch the Walt Clyde Frazier like jersey that's retired. But maybe I also have an option at my seat where I can put on the goggles and get Spike Lee's view. You know, like that's not, and I still want the crowd noise and the experience of going to the arena and getting off my couch and taking an Instagram that I'm there. Like as a fan, that's not that far away. And it's very, very exciting. Um, you know, as uh, as we continue to want to get more and more access to our favorite teams and players. Now, remind me again, I know it's been a minute since I've been on the show. Who do you guys live and die with? Who are the teams and players that, you know, you guys are, are huge fans of and, and, and um, you know, support? You're taking that. Uh, well, um, I support the Rockets. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's no uh, it's it's been no a doubt. couple years, you know, but it's it's all right. I think we're we're on the up and up this year. Things are going to start getting a little brighter. <laughs> hey, I'm James Harden. I want to come back to H Town. Do, do you guys want me there? Do you guys uh, want me there? No, Matt, no, what thanks. do you think? You got a spot for me? No thanks. <laughs> Riding with Coach Udoka here. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. All right. How about you, Jay? Who are you rolling with? Uh, 
it's been tumultuous, but the Bulls, I mean, I'm ride or die. I'm just kind of over this squad. I, I like DeMar. I like watching him play. I think Zach Levine's overrated, and I'm just – I don't think – I think Lonzo Ball, I think his career might be over. So yeah, it's tough I, for him. It's tough yeah. for Lonzo. You, you want to see him stay healthy. But, man, DeMar DeRozan is such a hooper. Like, yes. you came from outer space, and you didn't know the history of the league. You didn't know – any of it, and you're just watching, you'd be like, that guy is a basketball player. and it's, he's, he's great. Nervous. Yeah. Yeah, he keeps me going watching their games. <laughs> That's basically um, one of the positives of just checking them out on League Pass. Um, I want to ask you, Ben, just in terms, you talk about the changing landscape and how fans are consuming just the product, the NBA product at this point. Do TV ratings really matter at this point? Nope, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, agreed. Can you elaborate on that as to why and why there's such a like huge thing on Twitter and then on with mainstream media when you know we have TikTok, YouTube, all these other forms of you know getting exposure, but yet still this antiquated measure of TV ratings is still kind of the standard. Yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. And maybe there's some TV exec who's watching this and is like, what does this guy know? But honestly, we need a new metric for quantification of popularity. You. you know, the <laughs> idea that when we were 16 coming up, we had to record SportsCenter to see the Allen Iverson highlight of crossing over Jordan. And you knew that it aired on the 42. So at 942, 1042, and 11:42, you could watch that one highlight. Now you can watch that highlight like a billion times, right? So how do you quantify that popularity? Sure, the ratings of a Tuesday night Bucks versus Timberwolves game might not be as high nationally or even regionally, but the highlights have far more engagement. The content the players generate that has nothing to do with the highlights, just Giannis drinking a smoothie connects me as a fan to the game in a way that should be quantified in some type of metric but it's not in a tra traditional Nielsen setting. So I think a barometer that I like to use as like a, can you, you know, define a, a league or a sports cultural viability is like play the host of Saturday night live game. Who in major league baseball would host Saturday night live and your musical guest Kendrick Lamar and your host, Fernando Tatis Jr. Nah, it doesn't really hit like that, right? Your musical guest, Coldplay, and your host, Stephen Curry. Eh, it kind of hits like that. Steph Curry, LeBron, you know, Giannis, you know, it depends who wins the title that year. Like, there are a lot more guys in the league who could host Saturday. And, and again, Saturday Live, not necessarily an official barometer of cultural relevancy, but you start to see who's like really into MTV. Like I saw a Steve Stout quote, the NBA is the new MTV. And you see it even with the WNBA, especially on social issues. They are at the forefront. They're in the mix. You have Sudeikis for Ted Lasso sitting courtside. And it's just all this stuff coming together. Fashion, Rihanna, politics, all of it right there. Some of these other sports don't necessarily have that cultural sauce. Even if you could spin the numbers for baseball that, you know, the Dodgers draw 4 million to the, you know, look how many people went to the Tampa Bay playoff game. Like that was a joke, you know? So I think there's different metrics for every league to quantify their success. But I think the NBA basic television ratings are almost beneath them on some level. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. I guess, you know, if I were to try to play devil's advocate, you know, I might say that a very, very small percentage of people are on social media at all, you know, so like interactions and things like that, you know, can also be tough to get a judgment from that perspective. But even then, I think those people that aren't on social media still are probably going to the internet to see clips and things like that, that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I mean, let's see. I'm looking up LeBron James' social footprint. Like, how many followers does LeBron have on his Instagram right now? He's got 158 million. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's 158 million, and the guy's using it all the time, you know? And I think that's the thing, too, for a lot of NBA guys in terms of their content creation, whether it's on a digital level, they're doing it consistently, whether it's on producing media companies, partnerships with traditional media, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Giannis, D Wade, LeBron, Mello, Sue Bird. They're all known for producing content, you know, like Mello produced the Mike Tyson documentary 15 years ago. Steph Curry had a doc on Apple this year. Swagger is Kevin Durant. It's in season two. They're trying to do season three. LeBron, we know about his content. You know, Giannis, I'm hearing rumblings of Akeem Olajuwon doc, and he had his series on Disney+. Plus. Like, the NBA is at the forefront of content generation. How do you – how does that quantify to the, to the viewership of the game? Maybe True. not in Orlando versus Dallas on a Tuesday on League Pass, but – the team, the, the sport is the, I think the most global of the American sports. It might not have the footprint of football, which has become some other Norman Rockwell Americana, like bigger than all of us thing. It doesn't have the global reach that the NBA does. There aren't people in Slovenia who know who Lamar Jackson is, you know, and, and that's where the NFL can grow. And that's where it's exciting for that. But the NBA cultural zeitgeist the WNBA how many people you know know who these players are the Damian Lillard move how that affects the economy in Milwaukee like that's that's really interesting and 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 fascinating stuff in today's day and age no completely agree and you mentioned the W and I want to Focus on that for a second. Um, the Liberty, the, the Las Vegas Aces and the Liberty, um, they're ready to to hook it up in the you know WNBA Finals there and regular season rivals. Yeah, big. And I'm just for me. I mean, Matt knows this because we've had plenty of WNBA reporters and insiders. I've asked him this question, and I don't think I've ever asked you this question, Ben. In terms, because in my mind, I'm a big mixed martial arts fan to UFC. You know, everybody knows the UFC was banned, it was panned, and you saw the rise of this league that was totally shunned by mainstream and the government. And I see with the WNBA, especially around 2020, it's rise in popularity. The players, we all know about the positives about this league. The growth potential is tremendous. But yet, from their commissioner, I don't see the aggressiveness of growing this league. I feel like it's more of just Let's just, you know, I don't know, not be not making enough power moves. And what I've seen from this season is just, you know, struggles with just chartered flights. Like to me, this is this is ridiculous. These are the most talented, you know, elite athletes, you know, of their profession. They have to deal with something that they should never even have to worry about. So I get in my mind, I want to ask you, Ben, when do you think is there a leader of this league that's gonna really just push 
the aspects of the WNBA in more of a rapid fashion compared to just kind of this playing ball and just growing at kind of a steadier pace. Because to me, I think the league is ready to explode. I heard a couple of days ago on Twitter, you know, rumors of expansion, plenty of teams want in. I live in Denver. It'd be great to have a team here. Matt's from Albuquerque. Albuquerque would be a perfect spot for a WNBA squad. I, I just think for me, the league is ripe for just an opportunity for rapid growth. And yet I just feel like there's kind of a disconnect in terms of making that happen. Is this me? Am I just being a Debbie Downer? Like, I, no, no, I, no. And I appreciate the, uh, the conversation. First of all, the fact that three dudes are sitting on a podcast like this talking WNBA, that's a growth metric right there. Yeah. That wasn't happening five, 10 years ago. Right. It's true. We can get into the X's and O's of what's going to be a historically amazing finals with the best sure. players on the planet. Then you also mentioned UFC. UFC is a league of mixed martial arts. The WNBA is a league of basketball. We've seen the growth of basketball across the globe. Interest in Australia and their league. The three-on-three movement, both here yes. stateside and as an Olympic movement and with national teams. You know, uh, the college game, for especially for the women. $10 oh, yeah. million on, their, on the viewership last year. And Caitlin Clark's coming. And Angel Reese and AZ Fudd and Paige Beckers and Cameron Brink. And now you're having stars who have big followings in college being able to now come to the WNBA. Haley Jones down in Atlanta. She's player of the year three years ago. She's, you know, all rookie. And, and uh, Aaliyah Boston wins rookie of the year in Indiana. All that stuff. So they bring their fan bases now to the league the viewership is up d wade's buying in you see chance the rapper at the games you're going to see historic viewership attendance at the barclays is up when brianna stewart signs yes there's still issues with salaries being too low with player transportation with you know media exposure it, it pains me that their their nba fine the WNBA finals is starting on a sunday at one o'clock opposite football right like that kind of stuff is still we got signature shoes for Sabrina and yeah. right. You're starting to get like, it, it's you're popping up in CarMax commercials. You know, you're seeing Enrique with Mark Cuban in commercials. Like it's happening. It's happening, man. You know? And the, the, the fact that the all-star weekend is going to be in Phoenix next year and yeah. is moving from Vegas, the Vegas aces first team in Vegas to win this championship since UNLV, right? Like it's happening. So I also say this, too, to challenge you, Jay, like year 27 of the NBA, drug problems, gambling, sure. games on tape delay, like the ABA like is a mess. You know, sure. WNBA is popping. We're going to get some expansion. We're hearing rumblings of Golden State. We're hearing, right, like Kelsey Plum is a star. Skyward Diggins is going to come back next year. Diana's going to play another year. She's a legend. Stewie's killer. Like Asia Wilson. Like they got – Candace still balling. Like, there's some stuff going on on the WNBA. I'm there excited. is. I'm, I'm excited too. I just, to me, I think especially when there's like, whenever I see like a media narrative, they always focus on kind of, and I'm guilty of this. I just did it a second ago, but just kind of bringing up kind of the inequities instead of just pushing like these great talents. And I think that's, that's all I want to see at the forefront. And maybe I'm just being too ambitious. You know what it so. is though, Mark? It's like, look at shows, institutional media. Yeah. Get up, Mike Greenberg. You think sure. there's one time in this next week he's going to talk about this? No, and he has every opportunity to. Stephen sure. A. Smith, Colin Coward, 
you know, all these guys who have been around forever and have big platforms. Talk yeah. about the WNBA finals this week. Nothing stopped them. It's one of the more interesting, exciting stories in sports. You know, Agreed. the WNBA expanded their regular season this year. They were a 36 game season. Now I believe they're 40 games. Like it's, it's happening. So like it needs people to like talk about it. And like you have Brianna Stewart, Courtney Vandersloot. You have John Quell Jones, Sabrina, uh, you got Laney, you got the Liberty are loaded and they're going up against the aces with Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray, the point guard. Like, it's going to be a very exciting basketball series. So if you're a Hooper or a Hoop fan, opposite, what is it, Texans and Colts this weekend? <laughs> if you're a degenerate fantasy nerd or a gambler, like who cares, right? So yeah, I hope I hope some of these traditional media outlets start to lean into what's going to be a historic final. Yeah, agreed. I think I did see earlier, hopefully I'm not like <laughs> getting this from a bad side or something, but I did see that San Francisco is happening for expansion yeah, uh, just earlier this the, afternoon. Yeah, that's a big deal. And Steph's done a yeah. tremendous job with, you know, Under Armour and being a girl dad to lean into women's hoops. And they got a tremendous facility down there. They're bringing an NWSL team. You know, women's soccer is popping. They're bringing a, uh, a professional team to to the Bay Area as well next year. So no, we'll see. I think that's going to be great. And it makes it like logistically easier on the West Coast. You go up to Seattle, you go out to Vegas, you go to LA, you go to Phoenix. Now it's like easier on the travel to have another destination out there for games. And Ben, I, I don't know if you'd agree with me or not, but it seems like over the last two years, one of the biggest factors is just the ease, more ease, maybe not the easiest games to find, but more ease and exposure able to find WNBA games better just on TV yeah. in general and in streaming national TV, Amazon doing the commissioner's cup, which now you're going to see a mid season tournament for the men. And, you know, getting back to the NBA, we all know that the regular seasons lost juice for the last couple of years. Yeah. And it's tough to spend $800 to sit in the 20th row for a Nick game in January when Julius Randall might not play, you know, like that kind of, that, that's tough. So I think the W product is tremendous in the summertime. And you're like you said, it's available more. They have the Ion national TV games on Friday nights, the Amazon relationship, ESPN. You see games on NBA TV. You know, I, I love it. I'm a huge fan. And, and it's been cool getting to know some of these players. And I went to their all-star weekend this year for the first time and spoke on a panel there. And it was just it's a great energy around the game that is, uh, you know, only going to grow when you see Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese come to town. Yeah, it makes me wonder too with with the explosion of the women's college game this year and the attention that that got if now with the rules the way they are the NBA is kind of missing out on on building these rivalries and stories in college, you know, with like the one and done rule and and I'm not upset at players for leaving when they get that opportunity certainly. Um but I do remember, you know, watching I don't know, just for example, like Shane Battier, all those years at Duke, yeah. like I knew well who he was when he was coming into the league. And maybe it doesn't matter because if they shine immediately in the league, you know, you get that pretty quickly. Um, but it, so it right. is an interesting oh, it's difference. It's crazy. This year, the first like five picks in the draft had no collegiate ties. Like they were from overtime elite. They were from G League or whatever it is. G League Unite, Ignite, they're from France, they're from other parts of the world, they're not from Wake Forest or Duke or North Carolina or Michigan or whatever it is. So, yeah, and even the guys who don't do come from Michigan, they're one and done or they transfer. And men's college basketball, 
is definitely at an interesting, you know, inflection point. And I, I, I think these rivalries that we're seeing in women's hoops develop um, are, are keeping the sport, you know, very, very top of mind. Um, but, but it's amazing, you know, Michigan's coming this November to the garden and it's going to be St. John's in Michigan. And while those teams don't necessarily have a rivalry, there's a big Michigan contingency here in New York, Mark Jackson and Chris Mullen and Jalen Rose. And, you know, it's going to be cool to have that kind of energy around the garden. So I think there are moments, but I want to see the way that, you know, we get a Michigan state versus North Carolina on an aircraft carrier. (laughs) Let's get that for the women now. Let's get yeah. Angel Reese on an aircraft carrier. Like, that'd be amazing. And I think it's coming. It's going to get bigger and bigger. Are you a fan of NIL? And oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. And as, as the reason I kind of bring yeah. that up is I see, like, the negatives of it. And I don't I, – yeah. I feel like it's kind of like a get-off-my-lawn, like, old-person mentality in terms of the negativity towards NIL. Because I think it's great for the players finally to get something at the same time I feel like it's kind of like an excuse for colleges still not to pay their players as well. It's kind Absolutely. Of like, you know. you're, you're a thousand percent right. They're still circumventing the universities being on the hook themselves for yeah. making those commitments to these young men and women. But what an opportunity to, to capitalize on a special time in your life that you don't know is going to last forever. You don't know, uh, you know, uh, what, what, what could come of this or what your life will be, let alone in terms of being a professional athlete, but 30, 40, 50 years from now. I mean, I look at Cade McNamara, right? Like Cade's the quarterback at Iowa. He just blew his ACL. He transferred from Michigan where he was also hurt. Like he might not go on and play professional football. He probably won't. Maybe. I hope he does. But he beat that school in Ohio two years ago and will forever be immortalized in the history of Michigan football, which means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. He'd be able to capitalize on that now, not in 20 years when he's doing a signing at a restaurant, but like now, you know, and I, I, I love it. I think guys are getting creative with it. Women are getting creative with it. Caitlin Clark moves the needle. She brings an audience to CBS. She should be able to make money for being Caitlin Clark. Nobody said Natalie Portman couldn't be in the professional when she was 13. Nobody said that, you know, uh, Ryan Gosling couldn't be on the Disney show when he was 12. Like, any other industry, if you can prove that you belong, you get to earn a living and be compensated for it. So why not in, in sports? No, completely agree. I think you're seeing that with Shador Sanders, and he's got a decision he's got to make. I mean, right now he's he's on fire in terms of just the um, attention he's getting. You know, there's the pro opportunity, but like you were saying, I mean, he stays in college another year. I mean, you, you don't know the risk involved, but at least he gets to get compensated. Uh, and it makes it a lot easier to, to stay in school that extra year. I've never like scheduled my day to watch a Colorado football game. Yeah, me either. <laughs> uh, obviously, I'll be like everybody else, right? <laughs> so, like, yeah, he should get paid for that. Hundred yeah. percent. Go ahead, Matt. Ben, gotta ask you about the Knicks. Yeah. What What's going on with the Knicks in 2023, 2024? Lay it on us. How are you feeling this year? Can they like win the championship in October? Is that what's happening in November? Can they just no like expectations <laughs> are through the roof? So I'm terrified, guys. Like, I'm honestly not, I'm not excited for the season because mm-hmm. everyone is expecting like the world from them and they're gonna be solid. I love that there are a lot of professionals, a lot of dads on the team. I like that. Fashion week's gonna come and go. It's not gonna be a big thing for this team. That's big for the Knicks. 
But man, Eastern Conference is loaded, and you know they they are um, a talented team, but they're gonna have to have a lot of breaks go their way as they're currently constructed. Um, I am still concerned that a team that doesn't know who its best player is on every single night is how can they have success just basketball culture wise any given night who's their best player is it rando is it barrett is it brunson could it be quickly like that's i guess that's a strength if you lean into it but also when you're in that foxhole and it's hitting the fan and it's two minutes left and you look down the line you're like that's our guy we're gonna go with it and even with this dame lillard addition to milwaukee Giannis is their best player dame knows it Giannis knows it you know, like they're they're going to be there, and same with Tatum in Boston, same with Embiid in Philly, same with Jimmy in Miami. Like, look in the East, Donovan in Cleveland. Like, every good team knows who their best player is. I don't know if the Knicks do, and that is kind of weird for me. Man, Go I got to be honest. I, I've I think that Dame fit with Giannis is is nice in Milwaukee. I mean, you have like the opportunity for Giannis to maybe focus a little bit more on defense or, or even just like have more in the reserves for that side. And then Milwaukee getting, you know, more of a creator like that. I mean, there's the defensive trade-off as everyone's been talking about, but man, I love the fit of those two together. And the drama of the league of Drew going to Boston, right? Like yes. How good is that? <laughs> to keep this spicy NBA drama script uh, engaging. But yeah, I'm very excited for Damian Lillard. I feel like it's very New York Knicks to be in the contention for Dame in maybe four or five years, like to get like a 37-year-old Dame Lillard and give him a max deal. Uh, but no, I'm very much looking forward to that show in Milwaukee. And they are able to keep Chris Middleton, who is such a tremendous professional athlete, like just a winner and a gamer and Man, I hope he stays healthy, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. It's I can't believe it's like two weeks away, and the East is like I said, the East is loaded. Miami and 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 you know even Cleveland getting a year older yeah. and experienced, and Evan Mobley kind of finding his legs, and they're gonna be very solid um, as as we saw last year. So yeah, it's it's definitely uh, 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 and look at look at Orlando with all the Michigan guys, the Wagner brothers, and like <laughs> Orlando, Franz Wagner's killer and Cole Anthony, and like they're gonna no, don't sleep on Orlando messing around for that playing spot. No, it's gonna be really really fun to watch. Ben, this has been a fantastic chat. Please let our audience know where they can find you on social media, the projects you're working on, anything you're else you're up to for the rest of the year and beyond. I'll see you at the Garden for the Michigan game or for the Knicks this year, and I'll see you hopefully at the Liberty Parade in the Canyon <laughs> of Heroes as they take care of the Aces in four Thanks. games. But uh, appreciate y'all. Definitely want to check in throughout the season. Go Blue, go Knicks, go Liberty. Be well. Congrats on all the success with the show. Thanks for having me. Must appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks so much, cool. Ben. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology, presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.